Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 132. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Bilal Springer. This week on the show, we're joined by Jay Williams, business coach, speaker, and author of the book Leave Your Mark to continue a conversation we initiated in episode 116 on emotional intelligence, its importance, and impacts in the hair and beauty industry. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. Summertime in Montreal is finally coming to an end. And I'm saying finally because it was a hot one and very busy one. <laughs> While everyone else in Ireland is still trying to cling on to that last bit of sunlight and warmth. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. But over here, I suppose, like, there was tons of free, like, culture-heavy festivals. It was real fun. Um but it actually had an impact on me reading. So listen, I'm going to get back into it. Actually, do you remember in January at the summit when we, um, well, actually when you interviewed Ryan Holiday, he's just released his new book. He was saying he was going to release the third book of his trilogy. It's happening. It's uh, October 1st that it's getting released and I've just pre-ordered the copy. So I'm really excited for that. It's called Stillness is the Key. Yeah, looking forward to it. Saw his email. Unfortunately, though, he doesn't have an audiobook, so Ryan's <laughs> just going to have to wait a little bit more time before I get to listen to his book. However, guess who does have an audiobook? Our guest today, Jay Williams, and it's called Leave Your Mark. So, Jay, that's a book that I'm definitely going to be listening to. So, for anyone that isn't too sure what the book is, the premise is that you can influence from anywhere in your salon. That influencing doesn't require a title, it only requires certain thinking behavior and skills. If you're interested in knowing more, you can always click through the link in the episode notes at the end of this show. Now, in a previous episode with Jay, before we introduce him, we touched off how people working in salons tend to have an ability to emotionally connect with their clients. Jay was quoted as saying, and I love this quote, the majority of people will say 70, 80, 90% of their success comes from their non-technical skills the psychology, the emotional intelligence. Yet when we look at their education over the last 12 months, it's reversed. 70, 80, 90% is cutting, coloring and styling. Yeah, that's exactly what today's conversation is all about, a continuation of this topic. So without further ado, welcome back to the show, Jay. It's a pleasure to have you on. Looking forward to seeing you again in Philadelphia for the Salon Owners Summit Roadshow. I can't wait to get stuck into today's conversation. I'm excited as well. Killian, I want you to know, I'm going to hire you to write segues for me, okay? <laughs> Based on that one, I'm going to retain you to write all my segues. No bother, anytime. Although you nearly threw me because just when I was coming into it, I could see your face just laughing. And yeah, I, I don't know how I held that together. <laughs> or well, I probably didn't. I would pay for something like that. Are you kidding? I'd pay for that. So how have you been, Jay? I had an exciting summer, but all of a sudden I have summer envy because it sounds like yours was phenomenal. So whether I was in Montreal or or Ireland, uh, it sounds like you guys had a good time. So the last three months haven't been too good for you, no? I don't, they have. I thought they were until I heard you guys (laughs) describe yours. I was feeling really, really good about mine. So I can't wait to be with you guys in Philadelphia because I have a feeling that you guys have fun everywhere you go, regardless of the time of year or location. So where would you like to get started today? Killian, you, you, you own the segues. So what's the segue there? 
Well, I can kick it off and say that in our last conversation, you were saying that in the coming years, emotional intelligence would be the one skill helping people to differentiate themselves, especially in the hair and beauty industry where there's like, what, 757,700 professionals in 2018. And I don't think we've any recent stats, but still, that's, that's a lot of people in the industry. So you don't want to blend in and do what everyone else is doing. So how would you describe the nature of emotional intelligence in relation to the hair and beauty industry? Let me start off this way. I'll give it a little bit of of context. And so one of the focuses for me in our industry, and I think it's imperative that we begin to think this way, is that what we're talking about, we talk about stylists and salon owners. I work outside the industry. What ails stylists and salon owners ails humanity. And so I want to shift your thinking as we talk. I will give examples of stylists in their environment. And I want to share this with you is that the applicability is really to everyone as you listen. So if you have listeners that have experiences or work aside the industry, I would encourage them to listen through this in its entirety because the applicability is there. I say that because there were three independent studies done, and they each found the exact same thing, that 25 to 30% of the functions that we perform in the world today will be automated by the year 2030. So I'm going to pause and let everybody do a little bit of math there. That's crazy. We mentioned it in the last episode. I remember, like, Killian, I think you alluded to the taxi drivers and Elon Musk and all of that stuff. Absolutely. And it's kind of scary to think that some people's jobs in, what, 11 years will essentially be redundant or automated. Yeah, the functions that are going to be automated, the good news, are simple, repetitive tasks. So let me bring it back to our industry. We're nowhere on the radar to be automated because it's not a simple, repetitive task. You know, it's super creative. Super creative. And it varies from person to person. And I share that with you is because what's going to happen is that the, the human element, this interaction, is becoming less and less, not more and more. And I believe in our industry is that people are going to begin to pay for human interaction and that experience over the haircut. And when you look at the haircut right now, people come to get their haircut, not so much for the way it makes them look, but the way it makes them feel. And they come to get their hair, not so much their hair colored, but their thinking colored, right? That, that maybe they're more attractive, maybe they're, more, they're smarter, they're more engaging, they're sexier, whatever the case may be. And so where emotional intelligence comes in, and let me just give you a working definition for anyone who's listening. Emotional intelligence is simply your ability, so it's something you can learn, to identify and understand an emotion in yourself and others, and then adjust your behavior accordingly. So when we reference it through our time together, that's the working definition. So if you bear with me, I want to make an important distinction. You have to identify it, understand it, and adjust your behavior. 
So for those of you who have been working in a salon, and listen, whether you work in a salon or not, you'll be able to relate to this. Have you ever encountered someone that said, you know what, I'm just in a bad mood? I think we've all said it. <laughs> yes. Nah, never. <laughs> Except you, Killian, yeah. And by everyone I met, Zoe, not you, Killian, yes. Here's the deal. That's not emotional intelligence. They just identified it. So let's take the example and apply it to our industries. You come into the salon, someone comes in, they say, hey, listen, I'm in a bad mood. That's not emotional intelligence. They've identified it. The understanding may come in where they said, you know what? I just got in a, a fight with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my significant other, and it was over money. So now they've identified and they've understood it. And then they say, you know what? I just feel sorry for anyone I'm dealing with today. And they better look out. That's not emotional intelligence. Where they identified and understood, they didn't adjust their behavior. Someone who comes in and says, hey, listen, I'm in a bad mood. It's over money. It's with my spouse. The way I can fix it is to make more money. The way I make more money is by creating a better experience. Zoe, come here. Give me a hug. You need to hug all this negativity (laughs) out of me. And I need to get on the floor and be the best person I can be for my clients. And I'm somewhat oversimplifying it. That's an example of emotional intelligence. You identify, you understand, and you adjust your behavior. Here's a question to you then. Like this industry is in a great position to take advantage of that premium. But with social media, we're becoming more and more distant. And maybe it's just an impression, but I feel like a lot of people are having a hard time, harder time connecting than ever before. Do you think that's going to have an impact? Like, how can we bridge that gap? How can we become better at connecting with people again? There's two thoughts that come to mind. There's a lot of thoughts going on in my head. Let me (laughs) organize them so that I can organize them for the listener. I think it's important to understand that we have a head start in our industry because 90% It's over 90%. It's hard to give you an exact number. 90% at least of the people in our industry are empaths. And a working definition of an empath is someone who takes on the energy and the thinking of the people around them. The reason I share that with you is that there is a difference between being an empath and showing empathy. There are going to be listeners that say, you know what, Jay, I'm not an empath. And for the people who don't know me, I'm not an empath. I don't take on the energy of the people around me. I can be empathetic. I can show those behaviors. So for people listening, the good news is this is a skill that you can learn. For the 90% of the people in our industry, and that's at a minimum that are empaths, It's important that they understand the concept of emotional intelligence. Being an empath and taking on the energy and thinking. And again, let me just use an example in our industry. And for stylists listening, they can relate to this. Is that they've had a day where they come in and their first client is sharing with them. They're having marital problems. And that stylist being an empath takes on that energy. They feel sad for them. Their heart goes out. They may even cry with them. That client goes on their way and they feel better. Next client comes in 
And that woman's sharing how they're having challenges with their teenage kids. Maybe there's some drug use going on. There's some lying going on. People are listening. They can completely relate to this. Client feels better. Now the stylist takes this on. Third person comes in, and now they talk about their financial struggles. And you can see the stylist already being an empath, taking on the thinking and energy. They're going to give them a service for free, right? They're not going to tell them (laughs) about their price increase. And this is why I share this with you, because as an empath, you are susceptible to taking on this energy and thinking, and it can compromise the experience. So as an example, that stylist who is taking on that energy hears that the person's financially struggling. So what they do is they don't make a product recommendation. Because why? They feel sorry for them. They've taken on that emotion. They wouldn't want to recommend them spending more. And maybe they don't recommend a color or a highlight. And so with what we do, I always want to create a compelling human case. And for those who don't care about humanity, a compelling business business case, (laughs) yes, for what we do. And when I say business case, it'll help with your retention, your referral, your rebooking, your review, and your relationships. And somebody who's an empath has to be aware because unintentionally, they can begin to compromise the client experience. And that would show up in their recommendation if they don't feel so they could recommend a highlight. They don't feel so they could afford to come every four weeks when they really know that they should. They won't recommend a product. And so your question is highly relevant to what we do is that stylists understand this because get again, there's a human case and a compelling business case to understand emotional intelligence. I do want to make the distinction between your IQ and your EQ. So IQ being your intellectual quotient and EQ being your emotional quotient. Most people are hearing EI, emotional intelligence, exact same thing. Emotional intelligence in the late 1800s is about uh, 1892. And I was very young at that point, Killian. So my memory's <laughs> not as good, so just forgive me that. But what happened is they wanted to identify slow learners in society. So they came up with this intellectual, intellectual quotient assessment. And basically, it's problem solving. It's not your knowledge. It's your ability to solve problems. Speed up the story. They began to focus on the people with the high IQ, not the low IQ, although the intent was to help the slow learners. And somehow we adopted this thinking that if you had a high IQ, it was somehow an indicator or a predictor of your success. So you jump ahead to 1992, which is probably when you and Zoe were born somewhere in that area, very young. Just a year off, actually. Two Am years I? off. Okay. <laughs> For the listeners, they're going, ah. Oh. So uh, we jump ahead 99 years and uh, neuroscientists and psychologists and scientists wanted to study the most successful people. Well, based on our thinking, we went to Harvard and said, hey, just go back 20 years and give us the people with the highest IQ. Those would be the most successful people. Almost instantly in the study, they identified these weren't the most successful people. They stopped the study and they said, you know what, let's just change it. Let's go out and get the most successful people and bring them in and then determine what makes them successful. And what they quickly discovered was this new intelligence, this emotional intelligence, which is what I shared with you, simply your ability to identify, understand, and adjust your behavior. And what they found overwhelmingly when they began to do the research with these people, 
70% of the time, people with a higher emotional intelligence outperform their counterparts with a higher IQ. Do you think that's down to being able to actually deal with people? Because like if you have a high IQ, we used to call it like in school, you're book smart, but you're not street smart (laughs) or street smart would be kind of understanding people and book smart would be you've got your head in the words and that's as far as it goes. So is that kind of the differentiator there? Yeah, that's, uh, I love your example. That's a prime example. Let me give you an example in our industry. So if you're listening and you're a stylist or salon owner, have you ever worked with someone who technically should be doing editorial or runway work? In fact, they may be. And when they come home to their salon, they're 30% booked, 40% booked, their retention is low. And have you ever worked with someone? God bless them. You don't know how they get out of bed the morning could dress themselves and get themselves to work. <laughs> but their peers love them. Their owner loves them. Their client loves them. They're 70, 80% booked. That's an example, to your point, Killian, of somebody has a high emotional intelligence. And so in our industry, and Killian, I'd love that you put it out there, is that we say it's important, but when you look at our actions as it relates to education, 80, 90, 100% of our education is technical. It's not these non-technical, and I hate to use non-technical because it it minimizes the skill set. I just shared with you 70% of the time. Think about when you guys have gone to the restaurant. You guys ever go to a restaurant and you get a server, it's their first day? They mess up everything, your drink order, your food order, but they're really engaging, they're really fun. You really connect with them. Maybe they put their arm on your shoulder, maybe they sit down with you and you tip them 20, 25%. That ever happened to you? So technically they didn't deliver what they're supposed to do, but their emotional intelligence compensated for it. I mean, emotional intelligence, it's one of the most important skills now that companies are looking for. If you Google it, it's what pops up. It's between, I think, four or five uh, most important skills. So, so just on that, then we're talking about emotional intelligence. And we will ask in a second, kind of how do you balance the upskilling between technical skills and the non-technical or the soft skills or the emotional intelligence skills, however people refer to it. But you mentioned something at the start of the show about identifying, understanding and adjusting. And then you gave a scenario where it was the person working behind a chair and she's an empath. Can this become an issue at times too? If you're so clued in or you've really high emotional intelligence, will it get to the stage that it could actually kind of bring you down or like wear you out? with exhaustion because you're constantly feeling for the other person? Yes, you bring up a great point. And I think as it relates to our industry, uh, I was Saturday evening with a group of people and she's a nurse. They fall under impasse as well, childcare providers. And you can, and, and with emotional intelligence, let me bridge the gap between the IQ and the EQ there and your understanding. IQ is fixed. From 15 to 50, studies have shown it cannot increase. It can decrease. Studies have shown that it can't be increased. Your emotional intelligence can grow and grow and grow and grow. And the segue, because I know those are important to you, Killian, 
is that if somebody can identify I'm getting burnt out and adjust their behavior accordingly, these are the people who are most successful. That stylist I shared with you that had three or four clients, by the fifth one, she could be emotionally drained. And if you're listening, I know that there's a majority of the stylists that at the end of the day said, you know what, I, I just need to get a glass of wine. So whether it's a white or red or rosé is not the point, because I know that's where you're going to go, Killian. But they feel as though, you know, I got to take a shower. I have to wash this off me. What can happen is for that client, this is the only haircut they have for six weeks. For a stylist, this could be one of six clients, one of eight clients, one of 12 clients in a day. How do you show up for each and every client and the way they need you to show up? What's important is that people are broken today. And I'm not saying anything that you guys don't know. What I'm saying is that people being broken today is that they're, it's a lot more apparent and people are a lot more transparent about it. And when you get into the stylist chair, there's three things that drive their vulnerability in the chair. Is that one, one out of four clients have been with their stylist seven years or longer. So there's a loyalty there. The second thing is the frequency in which they see you breeds familiarity because on average, you, you could see your client between five and 60 times a year. 60 times would be an extreme, but if someone came in weekly, that's when you see your friends and family. So you have the loyalty, you have the frequency there. The other thing is that we're one of six professions it's legal to touch someone. Now, that's interesting. What's useful about that is I was talking to a psychologist about this. There's a chemical that's released in the body when you touch someone called oxytocin. And this is the same chemical that's released when a mother breastfeeds a child. This is the chemical that bonds us as human beings. So imagine that somebody's coming in who's broken. And people are broken emotionally, financially, sexually, relationship-wise today. And now they have a place where they feel safe because they're loyal to you. They have this longevity. There's the frequency in which they've seen you. They've been with you for every major occasion. So whether it was their wedding, whether it was their divorce, whether it was the birth of a child, maybe it's the loss of a family member, it's a job interview, it's a holiday. You see where I'm going with this? And now this oxytocin is being released in their body. And now they're sitting in, their ch in your chair and you're an empath. <laughs> It's literally, to your point, Killian, the perfect storm. How does that stylist manage that situation, knowing that that's now going to be the case for the next eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours? I was talking with a stylist yesterday, saw 13 clients. That's a lot of energy to take in. It is. So one of the things with emotional intelligence when I work with companies, and by the way, as an example, I'm working with an engineering company right now. Over 1,200 engineers, you know what they have me there for? It's not engineering, it's emotional intelligence. Where they're having pinch points with the clients, with each other, is the human interaction. They are proficient at the product and the process. The wild card is the people. So that's why I'm saying what ails stylists ails humanity. For that stylist, to your point, Killian, they need to learn how to regulate that flow of energy. So I'll give you an example, and you guys can relate to this, and so will the listeners, that you have that um, client who comes in, 
and they hate their job, they hate their life, they hate their dog, they hate their religion, they hate country <laughs> music, they just hate everything. Everybody can relate to that. Somebody with a high emotional intelligence can identify, hey, there's going to be some negative energy here. I still have to see seven clients today. I know what it does to me and adjust their behavior. Someone with a high emotional intelligence. That person comes in and say, that's me. And they say, Jay, I haven't seen you in a month. Tell me the best thing that's happened to you in the last 30 days. What they've learned to do with their emotional intelligence to identify and understand and then adjust the behavior, they give a question that redirects the thinking. People with a high emotional intelligence can do this in meetings. They can do it with their family. They can do it with their clients. On average, people with a higher emotional intelligence earn $29,000 more than their counterparts with a higher IQ. The science is there that each point increase in your emotional intelligence they equate to a $1,300 a year increase in your compensation. That's crazy. Yes. So to your point, Zoe, about emotional intelligence being in the top four, this is what I'm passionate about. As a, as a salon, as they look at their education, whether it's the remainder of 2019, 2020, 2021, if they're planning ahead of that, is that's in the top four. I would love for it to be number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not for me to ensure their success, to ensure their retention, their referral, their rebooking, their review, and their relationships. So listen, I was reading another thing where, according to the founding director of Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence, many of us actually tend to overestimate how emotionally intelligent we are. So say you were interviewing a candidate and you asked a question, say, what makes you angry at work? What are the points in that answer that could hint you uh, towards the fact that that person has a higher emotional intelligence? So in that scenario, what you want to ask is a behavioral based question. What I would be looking for is how they responded to the anger versus them getting angry. There will be situations that get us all angry. Emotional intelligence allows you to make a choice on how you respond because things are what they are in life. It's how you respond to it. So what I would ask them is tell me about a time that you've been angry at work and tell me what happened. What I'm looking for, it's called a behavioral-based question, I'm looking to see how they responded to it. Now, what triggered them is of interest to me as well. What's more important to me is how they respond to that. That's the sign of emotional intelligence. What angered them might be a sign of one of their core values that was violated. And as a segue, I will be talking about values in Philadelphia on October 21st. How is that, Killian? The big boom music in the back there. <laughs> Thank you. I'm coachable, Killian. I'm coachable. So how well did that answer your question, Zoe, about identifying that? Yeah, it does make sense. Absolutely. Jay, what I want to know is, do you know when you've got two people with high IQ and naturally both of them are going to feel they're right because they're very smart people? Um, and that could cause friction. Could two people with high 
EQ, could they have the same sort of friction and how would you deal with it? Or would both people just be so empathetic towards each other that they just drop any sort of uh, uh, angers or issues? Conflict. <laughs> Conflict, that's the word <laughs> I'm looking for. Angers or issues. You guys are good. You guys are very, very good. This feels a little bit like, hey, let's stop the speaker. <laughs> I, what I would share with you is that, and I'm relating this because I'm in the midst of working with this organization now, this engineering organization that has a tremendous IQ and that people have been rewarded throughout their life for their intelligence. A lot of them went to a highly acclaimed college because of their high IQ. A lot of them got recruited by great companies because of their IQ. A lot of them have gotten compensated based on their IQ. A lot of them have moved up in the organization, been promoted based on their IQ. What I would share with you, there are inherent conflicts that happen with people with a high IQ. A lot of it has to do with who's right and preconceived ideas and beliefs. People with a high emotional intelligence, there's a higher likelihood for collaboration in their conversations because of their awareness. I would obviously, and I think you would too, rather work with someone who has a higher emotional intelligence than a higher IQ. By the way, I said 70% of the time. For those of you who are listening, they're like, well, what is the 30% of the time? 10%, there's a margin of error in any study. The other 20% is when you need an exact result or it's a life or death situation. So I just for the audience who's listening, if they wanted to know, uh, you know, a lot of people are married to engineers and they can kind of relate to this scenario that they're missing this emotional component. Unequivocally, we need it. And I'm going to take a little bit of a risk here. And let me just say that my intention is to share that this is something that ails humanity. It, it's not a, a political stance is that if you're listening, whether you live in the United States or outside of the United States, is that we would benefit from a higher emotional intelligence from a societal standpoint. There's things that we are saying and doing that have a ripple effect. And if we could just identify and understand our emotions and adjust it and some of our messaging we would build more collaboration than conflict. And right now, it's an unprecedented time in our history where we've withdrawn from certain uh, agreements that we've had over the years. And I'm not making a political statement. I'm just sharing with you. It's not whether they need to be done or not. It's how they're done. And that's where emotional intelligence gives you a leg up. We still need to do the same things. It's how we do them, how we communicate. That's the opportunity, emotional intelligence. You still have to see eight clients in a day. They're still going to have to uh, going to have problems. They're still going to share them with you. I can't make you immune from problems. This is just going to give you a mechanism to navigate through them. How do you cultivate the growth of emotional intelligence? Like if, say, a manager has a lower emotional intelligence than a stylist, is that going to cause conflict? How do you cultivate that growth within the whole team? And how do you help people become more emotionally aware? Two different responses. The first response 
And this is universally true in any conversation. And Gandhi said it. You have to be the change you want to see. If you're listening, don't look to your partner. Don't look to your peers. Don't look to your owner. If you're an owner, don't look to your people. Don't look to your clients to change. The change needs to start with you. How you start is with self-awareness. More often than not, what I see is people aren't self-aware. And if they are, you're going, you couldn't be self-aware and just say what you just said. You can't be self-aware. Now, if they are and they do, it's a different conversation. I'm working with someone now that is very self-aware and does these things anyway. Where I need to help them is they have their perception. They're not factoring in the perception of others. You can't tell someone they need to be more emotionally intelligent. You can help them, though, through asking questions. So let me give you an example. Say you were in a salon and say somebody's working at the front desk and there's some issue. Someone's unhappy. Next morning as an owner, you come in and what happens? You have a voicemail. You have a text. There's a written message there. There is a problem. The way that you would raise the emotional intelligence of the person that you are going to talk to, generally what happens is someone goes to that stylist and they go, your customer is upset and you should have been willing to stay later. They go, well, I couldn't stay late. Some version of this, right? People begin to defend and explain. Someone with a high emotional intelligence would identify and understand, listen, we just had Jay Williams in. We talked about the client experience. I know they should know this. For some reason, they don't. Let me seek to understand what's going on for them first. That's an owner with a high emotional intelligence. Now they go into that stylist or that front desk person and they said, hey, I just want to get your perception of what occurred with the client yesterday. What do you think the client's perception was of what went down? What do you think the stylist's perception was when the client reached out to her? What do you think my perception as an owner was? What you were doing is building self-awareness. You're building an awareness that goes beyond their own and a perception that includes the perception of each of the other stakeholders in that situation. You're helping them to identify and understand an emotion in themselves, yes, their perception, and others by asking what do you think the perception was of the client? What do you think it was of the stylist? What do you think it was of me? So let me stop there because that could go so deep. How well did that answer your question? By doing that, you also allow yourself to see what you could do better. I think it, it gives that opportunity, whereas if you're just defending and explaining, you're not allowing for that feedback to come in and to, I suppose, better the experience, yeah. You mentioned feedback. I just did a keynote on feedback, and here's what was interesting. I received some of the strongest and the most feedback of anything I've ever received. And when I did the keynote, it was something that was on my mind, something that I was observing, and it wasn't a reflection of me. Please don't misunderstand. It was the contents and the relevance 
And as I was talking with the group, emotional intelligence, people who are emotionally intelligent constantly seek out feedback. They do it early and they do it often. So as an example, as I reflect in our conversation, I wasn't working you. It's just become a muscle that I've, that I've, I've, I've worked. I asked you, how well did I answer that question? Because I want to get that feedback so that I can course correct if I didn't answer it correctly. So someone with a high emotional intelligence is constantly seeking out the other person's perspective, not in an insecure way, in a way to influence. And so I'm doing this work now with a company that has a lot of project managers. The people that they work with in the project don't report to them. They have no leverage. And so I've developed this program, Leading Without Leverage. And this is much the way it works in life, is how do you lead without leverage? And you talked about Killian in the beginning, how do you lead without a title? We all can be leaders, whether it's as a family, as a friend, as a stylist with a client, an owner with a client. And so this skill set will serve you well, is your ability to seek out and understand other people's perspective. The way you do it is via feedback. Let me just share with you the three reasons I've experienced why people don't seek feedback. Is one, they perceive the need feedback as negative. So if I said to you, Zoe, oh, I dig your glasses, I love your piercing, I love the baseball cap, you're like, oh, bring it. That's all feedback. If I said, ah, Zoe, I do a different sweatshirt than the one you have on, I go with something that's a little bit more of a zip up than a pullover, and I push up the sleeves, you receive it a little bit differently. They're both feedback, but in your mind, you perceive one as negative, one as positive versus, hey, all feedback's good. It's free. It's the thing that makes me better. So the first reason is they perceive feedback as being negative. The second is they don't know what to do with it. And the third reason is they don't think to ask. So if I can shift people's thinking about the value that feedback provides, and in our industry, that's what the consultation is. It's all about feedback. All about when you ask the client this one question, a scale of one to ten, Killian, where's your comfort level in replicating the look we created today? Ten. ten. Thank you, Killian. So my response, what would make it eleven? Okay. You guys are good. You guys are very good. That's just seeking feedback. And so emotional intelligence has everything to do with seeking feedback. So I, I want to give you guys a tool the listeners. It's called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. So if you're listening, you can go to Amazon. It's a great read. It's written by two doctors. The longest chapter, I think it's five pages. The shortest chapter, half a page. I think it's on audio too. In fact, I know it is because I have it. Yes. Yes. I have it on a CD, which you probably don't even know what that is, but yes. Uh, but in any event, the gift of purchasing this is in the back of it is a code that allows you to take a complimentary emotional intelligence assessment. So to your point, Zoe, you can benchmark it. So how do you help your team? Buy them a copy of the book. That is the best Whatever it is, it's, it's ranged anywhere from $11.81 to $17.22. I'm not sure why. That, I believe, is the single best investment you can make in your people. 
have them take it. Your emotional intelligence can grow and grow. If this is an IQ test, who's going to take that? I'm not taking it. There's nothing I can do with it anyway. The emotional intelligence, that the very thing that can determine your success and that you can grow, you can measure. So that's where I would start. In the assessment, they will give you feedback on how you can grow your emotional intelligence. If someone asked me, was the number one thing I could do in the way of training, in the way of developing thinking, in the way of developing my people that has sustainable results, not just inspirational, motivational, but sustainable, purchase this book, start that conversation. That actually leads me on to my next question. Because we're so consumed by digital and our heads are always in the phones and stuff like that now, do you think we're becoming more aware or less aware, which would affect our emotional intelligence? But then the second part is for an industry where a lot of time is spent on education in the sense of going out and doing like color courses or styling courses, a lot of technical upskilling. How much time do you actually recommend that businesses spend on upskilling their emotional intelligence? Should there be a balance? So your first question is, how much should you invest? What is the ratio in your technical skills versus your non-technical? Would that be right? That's right, yeah. I would ask you, what business are you in? So I'm referencing this engineering firm just because um, I'm in the midst of this right now. I asked, are you an engineering company that has people? Are you a people company that does engineering? I, I just have to understand because that thinking will drive my behavior. If I believe that my success comes from my engineering skills, then that will drive the behavior that my people continue to get certifications and to get better technically at their job. If in our industry, we believe that we're in the beauty industry and the more proficient we get at that, the more successful we'll be, then you will invest in your cutting and your coloring skills. Let me give you a warning. So this is kind of ironic as you're talking to someone who has no hair. A great haircut is very subjective. For anybody listening, they will be able to relate to this, that there have been times that they've done a haircut that is technically as good as it gets. They get done as probably like God on the sixth day, like, this is good. And they go, you know what? This could be on the front of Cosmo magazine. Only to have the client go, mm, I, don't, I don't know if I like this. I, I don't know if this looks good. And everybody can relate to this where they've done a haircut and they go, oh, dear God, just get me through this haircut. And I swear to you, I'll never pick up a pair of scissors again. And the client goes, I love this. This is adorable. I share that with you because that part is subjective. The way that they feel, not so much. And so I'm not saying it's not important. Here's my assumption, Killian, to your question and my assumption is based on the facts. When I look at product companies, when I look at distributors, I look at manufacturers, I look at salons, 80 to 90% of their education, if not 100%, for the last 56 years has been technical. I'm not minimizing that. 
What I am saying is to support what you've told me. When I ask them what business they're in, guess what business 99% of the sons tell me they're in? The business of cotton hair. Yes, and it is. Here's what's going to surprise you. They come back with that they're in the people business. That's what's interesting to me. What you said, I understand because their education supports that. What they share with me, though, is that we are in the people business. There will be a direct correlation between how well we know people and how successful we are. I have owners all the time who tell me, Jay, I'm not very good. I can't believe they still come to me. I can't believe they pay me. I was working with an owner yesterday and she wants to go. She she needs to, um, she generates $5,000 a week. So is that about $260,000 a year? She works 26 hours a week behind the chair. She's seeing three or four people she's booking at a time. She wants to go from $100 on her cut to 100. And we're talking about, I said, well, what would that number be? 130 that people would drop off. She said, Jay, I've raised my prices like that. You know, people don't even ask. The point is, is that she's doing something emotionally that's connecting with her clients so that the cut is becoming secondary to the experience. I'm not saying the cut's not important. There is a minimum land standard you have to, to hit. So to answer your question directly, I think it depends on how you answer the question, the business you think you're in. I'm telling you, as human interaction is reduced, the first part of your question was, do you think that EQ is gonna continue to increase or go down with this generation? If it's not fed, it will starve. My experience, uh, and listen, I have boys, they're 23 and 28, so I see this. And one of my boys happens to be an engineer. We spend a lot of time on emotional (laughs) intelligence, right? So if it's not foster, if it's not fed, it will go dormant. That's why as a stylist, if they can continue to feed this, this gap's going to broaden, and people will pay disproportionately not so much for the haircut, but the human interaction. And if you're empathetic and you're caring and understanding and a good listener and you make them feel better, there's no ceiling. I believe in the next 30 years that we could see increases in haircuts. If people will embrace this, that are unprecedented, it will dwarf what's gone on the past 50 years. I think you could charge $150, $200 for a haircut. I don't care if you're charging $35 or $40. If you understand this conversation, and not only do you agree and you believe, but you do something about it, you could charge that no problem. People were going to pay for human interaction. 2030, people say that's 11 years ago. If I ask most people about 2008, their first response would be, oh, that's four or five years ago. In our mind, that was yesterday. That's what 2030 is going to be like. It's going to happen gradually, and then all of a sudden. This is what's going to get you on the front end of things. So listen, Jay, this has been absolutely amazing, and I think it just strengthens the whole, like, as I was doing research again for this for this conversation, I stumbled upon an Inc.com article saying, well, listing actually the top 10 
skills that will land you high paying jobs by 2020, according to the World Economic Forum. So they actually surveyed 350 executives across nine industries in 15 of the world's biggest economies and emotional intelligence landed sixth behind complex problem solving, critical thinking, creativity, people management, and coordinating with others, which if you have a think about it, a lot of it has to do with emotional intelligence as well, you know, people management and coordinating with others. So it's really interesting. I th- I hope our listeners will get a lot out of this and uh, reach out to you if they have any questions, obviously. As we mentioned at the start of the show, you also have Leave Your Mark, your book now available in an audio version. So how do people go about getting a copy of that? They can go to jwilliamscode.com backslash book, and you can actually get the hard copy. Uh, If you're environmentally conscious, you can get an electronic copy. And to Killian's point, there's an audio copy as well. And one of the things I want you to know that was important to me is that 100% of the profits from the book go towards stopping human trafficking. And the book is called Leave Your Mark. And the idea was that anybody who picked up the book, who purchased the book, would instantly be able to leave their mark. So just know that when you do, 100% of the profits of the book go towards stopping human trafficking. So I appreciate that little plug there. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. It's been fantastic once again. Oh, you know what? I I love it. I love you guys. I love you. Okay, there, I said it. See you you in Philly. (laughs) All right, take care, guys. See you in Philly. Bye-bye. When you're running a salon or a spa, a hunch isn't good enough. That's why Forest Salon Software provides you with a comprehensive reporting suite and analytics giving you the freedom and flexibility to make the decisions that matter. Manage, market, and grow your business with Forest Salon Software, a premium cloud-based salon software system for three-plus employees. Visit forest.com for more details. So that was Jay Williams talking about emotional intelligence and I have to say, another cracking episode from Jay, the the part two, which it, I've kind of got a, the It movie in my head now because I went and saw chapter two recently, but it's complete opposite to that. <laughs> so moving on swiftly from there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, moving um, on to the Inside Forest segment. So let's kick it off with Forest Academy. So by now, everyone in the US should have access to Forest Academy, your one-stop education shop, which is an online learning portal full of fun, interactive and bite-sized self-taught training courses. So while we've launched it in the US, we have given preview access to a couple of clients in Europe. All you have to do is email us at forestacademy at forest.com. And the most recent course you can expect to find there is the Salon Branded app, which takes you through our brand new Forest Salon Branded app. So check that out. Yes. And to be honest, I just did it a couple of days ago and it's brilliant. So hopefully you enjoy. If you have any feedback, the guys are always looking for feedback as well. So please don't hesitate. Always looking for feedback. Yeah. On the other side of things, so for non-clients this time around, or clients, I mean, it's open to everyone, we have another webinar coming up soon on September 16th at 9 a.m. PST or 12 p.m. EST. 
It's with Amber Pope. So she's the owner of Salon 27 in Phoenix, Arizona, and her webinar, so it's an hour long webinar as we usually do. It's not about sales, it's about education. Um, you'll learn seven effective steps that you can take to get your staff pumped to hit their retail targets. So this coming off the back of the Salon Retail Week, of course, it's titled Seven Ways to Revive Your Salon Retail. So it's not to be missed and you can sign up with the link in the show's notes. On other news with the Salon Owners Summit, we have, of course, we've mentioned it a couple times throughout the show. We have the Roadshow coming up real soon in Philly, October 21st. So if you want to get your tickets for that, you can uh, also follow the link in the show's notes. We have our full speaker lineup announced already. And then we have our Salon Owners Summit flagship event. So January 2020, and we've just announced our third speaker. We already have Stephanie Fox Jackson, who's going to tackle Teamwork 101 on the main stage. Then we have Phil Jackson tackling salon memberships in a in a workshop session. And just last week, we've announced Jamie Dana as the second main stage speaker. So Jamie Dana, for anyone who doesn't know her, uh, she's a hairstylist and educator. She specializes in teaching hair and beauty professionals how to use Instagram to grow their businesses. And in her session on the main stage at Forest Salon Owners Summit in 2020 is to create a strong, cohesive Instagram page while standing out from every other salon in your area. So specifically, she's going to share insights on how to empower your team to want to share their work on Instagram while creating beautiful content that you can use on your page, how to create a cohesive and uniform brand with your Instagram page that showcases your team, and how to stand out from other salons in your area to help attract new clients and stylists to your business. Of course, we have more speakers to be announced soon, so keep an eye on our website, salonownersummit.com. You can also request a callback for tickets, and we've also announced our additional add-on event, Inside Forest. So due to growing demand, the 2020 Inside Forest event will actually take place at the Morrison Hotel in Dublin. It's going to be on Sunday, January 5th from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., And if you're not aware of what this event is, it's essentially half a day of tech. So learning about the upcoming software developments our teams are hard at work on. And the premise of this particular third edition of Inside Forest is to discover the future of technology for the salon business. So like I said, all of this information, whether it's Jay's website or uh, the link to the Salon Owners Summit Roadshow tickets, the link to request a callback for the flagship event, the webinar sign up, All of this you can find in the episode's show notes. And finally, again, with the Mentorship Hub, this is our last announcement for the show today. If you're struggling with anything in the salon, uh, we've teamed up with loads of consultants and industry coaches. So if you have any questions or you want to see something from a different perspective, you can book yourself in for a free 15 to 30 minute consultation on a topic of your choosing. You can find all the information to sign up for that on salonmentors.forest.com. And well, that's all we've got for this week, guys. So as always, if you want to share your thoughts on this episode or have any suggestions, send us an email at forestfm at forest.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We genuinely love feedback and are always looking for ways to improve the show. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Great music makes great moments. Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Forest FM, the Salon Owners podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.